Sunday morning, you're listening to Twyla Southall and L.J. Renee with What Does the Lord Say? This is Christian Talk Radio, here to challenge the status quo. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. But if you want to see a change, if you want a spiritual revolution, if you need a spiritual renewal, stay with us. We are here to inspire, to inform, and to challenge you to consider what does the Lord say regarding life's issues. Visit our website for information on how you can join us for morning prayer. Access previous podcasts of this broadcast, or you can even now access and download this podcast in iTunes. There is also information to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or even sponsor this show. Visit our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com. We would love to hear from you. wanted to share what I feel is burdened upon my heart. I wonder if there is anyone else that sees or senses, spiritually senses what is transpiring and taking place within the body of Christ, the debauchery, the godlessness, the sin, the rampant unrighteousness, the falling away, the apostasy. Can anyone else sense or feel in their spirit the religion that has come in and replaced relationship? Can anyone sense in their spirit the falling away of the people of God, the sense and longing for uh, and thirsting for more of God because what we are experiencing within the four walls of the church when we gather ourselves together for service is not a worship experience with God himself being the center of our worship. But what we experience is often flesh on display or we compete one against the other or uh, we really experience going through calisthenics and going through the motions. But not only do we not leave the outer court to approach the holy of holies, but we don't even approach the outer court. We're nowhere near the court of God, nowhere near the presence of God in many of our services. I understand it's not true of all, but in many of our services where we go, we spend a few hours there gathered together as a social gathering or a social experiment, but rarely do we encounter the very presence of God. Those that come in demon possessed, leave out demon possessed, and the demons are laughing at the very people of God because all of this power is bottled up in the people, but never exercised, never even discernment to know that the one beside you is frustrated and on the point of giving up and quitting and wanting to die. And we never even are able to discern the plight of the heart of man, never hearing the cry, longing for his intervention in their dilemma, never sensing that there is a catastrophe boiling on the inside, past the facade and through the smile and beneath the surface, there is one that is hurting and crying and dying on the inside, withering away, wondering, is there anybody that can hear the cry of my soul that's longing for someone, anyone to come and express the love of God to me? We never hear the cry. We never get beyond the surface. We never scratch beyond the what we see on the outside. 
outside, the facade. We see the smile and we see the fine clothes and we hear the, the language and that's all that we ever know. We have no spiritual discernment from God to know that beyond the smile, there's a heart that is breaking beyond the surface. There's a soul that is wounded beyond the clothing. There is one who is naked and destitute and dying and crying out for the help of one who has the heart of God. But we don't hear it because we are so busy clapping and dancing to the sound of the music. I mean, as soon as the organ plays, we know how to do our two step. I like to dance with the best of them. We know how to do our two step. And when the organ stops, all that joy you had somehow gets turned off instantly because it really wasn't generated by your love for him. It was all about the sound of the organ and the beat of the drum. It was all orchestrated by the praise leader that says, now get up and raise your hand. We're like a puppet in a play. Someone pulls the string and we dance to the beat of the music. And when the string ceased to be pulled, our joy is turned off. Our worship is finished. Who were you worshiping in the first place? We have worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. And I just want to know this morning, is there anybody else that has a burden in their heart for the things of God, a desire and a thirst for more of him, tired of going through the motions? Is there anybody thirsty for more of God? You remember the prophet Joel in Joel. Joel chapter 2, the Bible tells us in verse number 28 that it shall come to pass afterward. Joel gave them a prophecy and told them of many things that would occur. And he said, after these things happen, it shall come to pass. God is saying that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. That's what the Lord had given unto Joel to prophesy in his day. And then if you fast forward over to the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, when the power of God fell upon men and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they said, what is going on? What's all this ruckus? We hear men speaking in various languages that we don't believe they have learned. They said, perhaps these men are drunk and then you see Peter with the boldness of empowered by the Holy Ghost getting up and preaching to the unbelieving. He said, listen, they are not drunk like you think they are drunk. They are drunk, all right, but not like you think they are drunk. They haven't been drinking wine. It's too early in the day. They are drunk on the spiritual wine of God. He said, this is the prophecy that was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, this is what Joel told us would happen, that God would pour out his spirit 
in the last day and all of your sons and daughters would prophesy and your young men would see visions and your old men would dream dreams and on your servants and handmaidens he would pour out in those days his spirit and they should prophesy. He said, this is what you see going on. And I just want to spend a few minutes to tell you that what we see today in the church is not that that was preached about in Acts prophesied in Joel this that we experience is not that I'm not talking about those who are baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance I'm talking about the ungodliness the debauchery the sin the witchcraft all of this unrighteousness that is transpiring in the kingdom of God and is parading itself as though it is the power of God and it is not the power of God this is not that the sermons that we are hearing preached this is not that this is not that which was prophesied and spoken of and witnessed in acts this is not that that we see when all we are preaching are cliches that do not change lives do not empower people to get up out of their mess and to live a different kind of life when we don't challenge those in power when we don't salt the earth when we don't influence our environment but rather we are influenced by our environment this is not that that was spoken of when we are still stumbling over should women preach and should women teach and should women and prophet this is not that that was spoken of your old men and your young men and your young boys and your daughters they would all be included in the promise of God when did we become so godlike that we can exclude the people that God have included you know when things seem to rock the boat and go against the grain of our religion then we are so quick to say that the hand of God is not in that do you know him that way well, that you can tell me all of the ways in which he works. We say that we represent God, who is the creator of the ends of the earth, the one who holds all power in his hands. And we don't have the ability to help those who come into our sanctuaries get delivered from what binds them. We don't even ask if anyone wants to be delivered, but we do make an opening and an altar call for everyone to join the church because we need to increase the numbers in the sanctuary. But what about the souls that need to be saved? Did you get them delivered? Did you give them an opportunity to be made free? Did you hear the souls of the people crying out? We took a lot of time for the offering. We took a lot of time for church membership. We took a lot of time for everything else. But what about the time that we will fall on our face and worship the Lord? What about the time that we will open the altar and watch the souls come to be delivered? Are they being filled with the Holy Ghost? Are they being baptized like they were on the day of Pentecost? Are we able to say when we leave our service that we experience the promise of Joel chapter 2 that God poured out his spirit 
on all flesh and the sons and the daughters were prophesying. Are we able to say that we're living in the promise that was spoken of in the, in the Bible? Have we experienced the power of God? Has the rivers of living water begin to flow where you are? Are you walking and living among stagnant rivers or is the water flowing? Unless the water is troubled, there was no healing in the water. Unless the water was flowing, there was no power in the water. The spirit of God needs to flow. God is alive. He is not dead. If you come into some of our churches, you would think that God is not alive. You would think that we are mourning the crucifixion of Jesus still. We would, you would think that he did not get up with all power in his hand, but I come to serve you news. He got up with all power in his hand and he gave gifts unto all men. And he said, these works shall you do in great works shall you do? Where are the signs and the miracles and the works that should follow the people of the living God? We're still following the signs and following the miracles, looking for him over here and wondering, is he over there? But how about we say, come here. He's right here because he's here with me. I brought him when I came. The power of God should be fusing through you fusing through your neighbor, fusing through the one behind you and in front of you. But we come and we worship men. How about we get back to worshiping God? He is still the Lord of the church. He is still the God of my salvation. He is still the righteous king. He is still the holy judge. He is still worthy to be praised. I mean, think about it in Jeremiah chapter five, when God called Jeremiah and sent him to the people of God because they had corrupted themselves. They had messed up. And the reason why some of that corruption crept into the people of God is because it was rampant in the nation in which they live because it started with the kings that ruled over them. But sometimes we need to, as people of God, not be so influenced by the nation and the city and the environment in which we live, but we should become the salt of the earth because that's what he said. We should be influencing the environment instead of being influenced by the environment. Salt as its savior and flavor to the environment. Salt influences. If you've ever had something that didn't have salt in it when it was cooked and, and it just didn't have the right flavor, but you put a little salt on it. And I know salt isn't all that good in the natural you uh, for your health, but you put a little salt and it just makes it taste better. It makes it more palatable. We should be the salt of the earth, adding the influence and the flavor, changing the very way that things seem to go, changing the way things seem to taste. I mean, when you put a little salt in it, you change everything about it. We should be agents of change for the kingdom of God, but we keep being influenced by the environment and changed by the environment. They pass a law that is against the word of God. So we start adjusting our gospel and adjusting our sermons and adjusting our Bible studies to accommodate this new law that they have passed. God forbid, let God be true in every man alive. 
So what if they pass a law? If it is against the truth and the word of God, his word stands absolute. His word does not change. It is settled forever in the heavens and his word does is still the truth of the living God. Stop compromising the truth of the gospel of God. You are ashamed of the gospel of God, ashamed to name the name of the Lord. It's not popular. So you don't speak about it. They don't like God so you don't testify about him. They think living right is crazy so you hide the fact that you are saved so you don't tell them that you're a child of God. God forbid it's time that the Christians come out of the closet. Everybody and everything else has come out of the closet. You've been hiding the fact that you are saved. Hiding the fact that you love God. Hiding the fact that you are born again. You need to come out of the closet. Stop coming to God at night as though you're ashamed to be serving him in the middle of the day. You need to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is still the power of God unto salvation. And the truth of the matter is they that act like they despise your gospel, they that act like they ridicule the truth of God, they really long for the truth that you have. They desire the hope that you have. They want the peace that God gives. They desire to be connected to the creator. In Jeremiah chapter five, a horrible thing has happened. The Bible says there is a horrible thing that has occurred in Jeremiah chapter five. And unfortunately, we have not learned from it, but we have repeated it. The Bible says in Jeremiah five and in verse 30, it says a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? It's not enough just to have prophets whose whose hearts are darkened and who prophesy lies. It's not enough just to have priests who are unrighteous and who don't uphold the truth. But the people of God, the Bible said, loved to have it. So I believe we have repeated that cycle even in our day. When we sit up in a dead church, we know that what we are hearing is not the truth according to the word of God, but we love to have it so because if we will allow them to preach to us the things that tickle our ear and fancy our flesh, then we can feel comfortable in the sin that we are in. But when we challenge them and when we refuse to hear the preaching that is not according to the word of God, then that means we've got to adjust our lives to be right before God. I'll wink at your sin. You wink at my sin. I won't judge you. You won't judge me. I won't speak against you. You won't speak against me. And we're playing this game. And in the meantime, the unrighteous are plunging headlong into hell with no one sound the warning. No one telling them that what they are doing is wrong. You can't tell them because you're doing the same thing that they are doing. But the Bible says that God sent Jeremiah. He said, you go to the temple. They don't want to let you in. They won't invite you to preach, but you stand outside that temple and you preach the truth of the living God. They didn't like his proclamation. They didn't like his preaching. They wanted to throw him in jail. They wanted to take his life. 
He found himself weeping because he didn't want to endure the pressures that he was enduring. He said, I'm not going to speak another day in his name. I'm not going to mention his name. He said, but when I tried to hold my peace, it was like fire shut up in my bone. You are sitting up there in some of these places and you are going along to get along, going along to be popular. You have shut your mouth when God said, speak, sit down when he said, go, you have turned. Turn a deaf ear and a silent ear to the voice of God. You have refused to uphold the standard of righteousness. But there is a horrible thing that has been committed in our day. The prophets are lying. The priests are ruling unrighteously. And the people are rejoicing because it's good to their flesh. But God forbid he's raising up those who will cry aloud and spare not. There are some who cry at the altar. Their head are like a fountain of water and their eyes are like a bucket of tears and they weep continually day and night for the plight of the people of God. When will God avenge the righteous and when will God judge the sin? When will God make it known that those who have cried aloud and spared not stood in the way, preached the gospel, upheld the truth? When will God show that he has stood with them and, pro- and call them to proclaim the truth of God. Hold on just a little while longer. The change that you have been expecting and preaching and anticipating is on the way. Oh, for the day when the people of God that know his name, that have been called out of sin, that have been cleansed from unrighteousness, filled with his spirit. Oh, for the day that they cry out unto him, draw me nearer, precious Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw Blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, Jesus, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Of Jesus, I'm singing all precious hits that flow that makes me white as 
There is no other fount I know, no other fount but the precious blood of Jesus. May he cover us with his blood. May he fill us with his spirit. May God do for us, hallelujah, what only he can do. We will cry out unto God for forgiveness. We will seek his hand of mercy. We will plead for his grace upon our lives because we owe God everything. He has been marvelous and wonderful and good to us and we owe him everything. The good news that he tells you and I today in Jeremiah 18, he said, the instant I speak concerning a nation and a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull it down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I have thought to bring upon it. So you are only one prayer away from the blessing of God. You are only one prayer away from the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. You are only one prayer away. He said it like this in second Chronicles seven, you know, so well, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear your prayer all the way in heaven and I'll forgive your sins and I'll heal your land. I'll turn this thing around. Dear God, we acknowledge our individual and collective sins before you. Would you forgive us for our apathy and slowfulness? Forgive us for our doubt and pride. Forgive us for failing to promote your cause before the unrighteous. Forgive us for setting up idols and bowing to ungodly altars. Forgive us for our indifference to your holy word. Forgive us for failing to reverence and honor your great name. Forgive us for allowing anyone or anything to take precedence in our lives to you. Oh God, would you forgive us for seeking help outside of you, for seeing the spiritually wounded and dying and walking on the other side of the road. Forgive us for receiving and walking in the counsel of the ungodly, for sitting in the seat of the scornful, for standing idly by in the place where sinners gather. Would you forgive us, oh God? We acknowledge that we have sinned against you, oh Lord. We have failed you. We have been ignorant and proudful. Will you forgive us, dear God? We have closed our mouths when you said to speak, set down when you said to go. Every idol and high place that we have exalted and erected in our hearts, in our lives, in our churches, in our homes, we cast down in the name of the Lord Jesus. Expose every unclean place. Expose every hidden desire, God. Search our hearts, dear God. Wash us and cleanse us. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us, O God. We repent of the evil and the sin, the unrighteousness, the unforgiveness in our heart. We repent of the uncleanness, God. We repent, God, that we have not been the salt of the earth or the light of the world. Would you forgive us? We have not spoken truth to power when you set us up in the places where we were supposed to influence and speak and prophesy. We command every prison door binding your people 
people to be open, every chain shackling your people to be loose. May the body of Christ rise up and know that they are royalty in Christ, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. And may they never submit to the cunningness or be deceived by the craftiness of the devil again. We command every impenetrable wall blocking our destiny to fall flat. And we thank you that you did not give up on us. You did not cast us aside. You did not forsake us, God. You did not leave us. We thank you for restoring and healing, retrieving, mending and reviving our souls. Thank you for an opportunity and a space of grace to repent and get right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to Twyla Southall and L.J. Renee with What Does the Lord Say? For information on this program, on how you can subscribe to or access previous podcasts of this broadcast, visit our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com. Until next time.